Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? That wasn't the scene as I thought it would be. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, this is a new experience, um, trying to go live. First of all, trying to go live at half past 11 in the day. Um, I'm not quite <laughs> sure whether that was the best time to pick. I just got really excited and decided that, uh, yeah, let's try and go live. It's, it sounds like a bit of crack. Plus, I was bored and uh, I'm full to the brim full of coffee. Uh, and uh, and I've got new inhalers now as well, so my wheeze won't be as audible on the on on the uh, through the microphone now as well. And I'm um I'm dosed up on steroids as well for for a, a recent illness that I had. So if you guys are expecting low energy today, you're in the wrong place. That is for <laughs> sure. Um, but today, uh, yeah, as I say, why what better day to try and start to do uh, maybe do some live live feeds, uh, live streams. Then, then today, the 25th anniversary of one of the best, well, actually, the last time we won a trophy, 25th anniversary, 1996 mm. uh, versus Leeds United. And uh, I think we're going to have two very, very differing stories as to how we spent that day, Paddy. <laughs> um, and we will relive how we spent that day um, uh, I, over, over the course of today as well. Um, guys, don't don't be shy. If you are watching it, I see there's 13, 14, 15 people watching, I think, here at the moment. If you want to leave any comments, we'll share them up on the screen. Any questions you have, anything like that, we will, we'd only be absolutely too delighted to um, to answer any questions that you guys have. So if you're whether you're watching it on Twitter, whether you're watching it on um on YouTube, on Facebook, or whatever, pop in a question if you want, and we'll uh, try our best to answer it. There we go. There's the first one, Carl O'Neill. You have the pleasure, Carl, of being the first person who we've ever highlighted as uh, as a comment on the podcast. I'm going to get rid of the banner at the at the bottom because 
yeah, that's a small bit better. That's a small bit better. Um, yeah, so excellent. We've got loads of stuff there. Uh, oh, well, in fairness, David Scott, you are dead right. We won the Intertoto Cup in 2001. Um, I, I, I also count the playoff final as winning a trophy, too. We did actually take a trophy out of Wembley. I suppose. Day. Okay, okay, okay. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. We're supposed, we're supposed to call them major trophies. The, the so Dublin boys are ganging up with me. <laughs> <laughs> the boys are ganging up over here um but yeah i suppose la last major trophy last trophy that can kind of get us into well then again you see i can't say the last trophy that can get us into europe because the intertoto cup got us into the european competition as well so uh, you know what i mean you know what i mean um but it was it was it like 1996 was it was one of the finer days i think i ever put down as an aston villa fan I was 11 years of age. That's why I think the two of us are going to have two very differing um, experiences uh, when we uh, when we discuss this. Um, I'll let you discuss yours first, and then I'll temper with my uh, with my experience as well. But um, what a fantastic uh, run to the cup to, to the final that was, you know, that year. Um, it was like like we had such a good team, and sometimes I look back at it and I forget how young the team was in a lot of areas in 1996, you know, that we, you kind of, you associate a lot of those players with, uh, or you associate that time with maybe, you know, the likes, uh, the, 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 the transition, what I'm trying to say is the transition from 94 to 96, there was a, there was a bit of turnover of player, I suppose, number course, one, yeah. there was a lot of turnover of player, and we got a lot younger for the 96 final. Um, like we go down through the team there. I had the team. Uh, you probably remember it off by heart. I, I should remember it off by heart. Um, well, you start off with the 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 Gabor Karai lookalike for the day was Mark Bosnich with his long Bosnich pants. Bosnich with long but pants. You know, yeah. It's the only time I've ever remembered seeing him in the long pants. Um, we we had changed to a back three then under we did Brian Little of yeah. Ekiog, Southgate, and God himself. Yeah. And McGrath, um, yeah. two lightning quick uh, wing backs in Gary Charles, Gary and, Charles Alan and Alan Wright, mm. and then in front of them we had uh, Ian Taylor, Mark Draper, yeah. and Andy Townsend. Andy Townsend, phenomenal that day. Won and man the match, if I remember yeah. rightly, he was man the match that day. Yeah, and then we had a young Savo Milosevic and a relatively young Dwight York up front, uh -huh. and. The the only disappointing thing from 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 that day, as I remember, was that Steve Staunton didn't play, um, and Tommy Johnson, who you know, I'm wearing this this was the jersey I wore to the '96 final, um, took me a bit of rooting out, and that's why we're a few minutes late today. But anyway, um, aesthetics are everything, Neil. So we got yeah. it done. Um, I I like I have I I actually got a small bit a small bit kind of. Um, how do I got to say? I got a small little bit kind of uh, nostalgic because I went looking for my jerseys and I went, oh, yeah, they're all blowing my mother's house and I can't go down there because of COVID. And they're all, I know, like they're all in this big, massive, all I described is, is a huge Tupperware box. And what I have is I have them all in vacpack, individually vacpacked because I didn't want them to get moldy during the laughter, during the, the attic of my mother's house. And I used to yeah. treasure all those shirts up until... I would say in Martin O'Neill, Martin O'Neill era shirt, I would have had all the shirts and stuff like that. And then I kind of went, yeah, I better get those at some stage because I'm going to want to wear those, you know? <laughs> so it's, uh, and, and it was actually, I went looking for it today and then I realized I went, oh yeah, they're blowing man's house. So uh, 
guy, you know, when this is all over, I'm going to get my treasure trove of jerseys back yeah. again. So I, th- I think if today has taught me something, though, I, I'm going to have to get the, those individual uh, um, back, back, back wraps. Yeah. Because the, mine are all in one. So the minute I open them, I've got to go and vacuum them all again. So, uh, and it's a fine big... Uh, case full of uh shorts so yeah uh, um maybe i need to put a bit of time into that but look here it is this is the one i wore uh, it has steve staunton on the back no surprise to anyone that knows me Um the one thing i always hated about this was the the collars the collars used to rise up no matter what you did once you lift your arm the, the collar would nearly stay up paddy that was in the era of eric cantona as a kid 11 year old kid the <laughs> collar was up and it was out and it was covering your ears. It was that high. That's the way you had to wear that jersey. You just you just weren't cool, Paddy. That's all it the was. The only problem was I wasn't 11 years of age. <laughs> See, that is the, that, that's it, yeah. too. That's it, I think, too. I think Dwight York used to wear them. Uh, he did. Up as well. Collar yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they annoyed him as much as they did everyone else. But anyway. Yeah. I think it, that it, year it, as well, in 96, did Liverpool have the big, massive, furry, muffy type of collar? It was huge collar. Um, do you remember that? That one. It was like a lion's mane around. I think that might have been '96 as well for them. It wasn't a good year for colours. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a good year for colours at all. But you were at the match. I wasn't, I obviously. Was. Yeah. Mm. Um, it it was actually it actually fell between a strange course of events because if you remember at the time we were we were doing very very well, so mm. I was trying to choose between the FA Cup semi final, which was to come a week later. Yes. Against Liverpool, um, was it? Against Liverpool at Old Trafford, mm. yeah. We had been to, myself and my dad went to the semi-final against Arsenal, the second leg. Um, so sandwiched in <laughs> in that month was the, the final. And to be honest, when I went to the semi-final, I'd absolutely no plan to be thinking about a final because I didn't think we were going to do it. So myself and my dad went off on the Wednesday, went to Villa Park, had a great day. Um, the match itself was a nil-all draw. Um, funnily enough, nobody around us, including ourselves, realised that the away goals counted after the. I remember that. I remember even even the commentators because I I I was I actually listened to that on live uh, five live. Would you believe? Didn't couldn't <laughs> even get it on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the place just erupted at the end of the game, and there was pitch invasions, and we just realised then that. The away goals only counted after 120 minutes, so we yeah. had uh, we had a uh, job done. We were, were actually expecting penalties at that stage, but the job was done, and, and we were on our way to Wembley. And it was a great night, great celebrations that night. We we ended up in in a pub in Aston, and I think it was about three o'clock in the morning by the time we eventually got thrown out. Um, it was the first time I'd say I had been drinking with my dad, especially. Well, I've only ever been to two or three um, Villa Man City games with him mm. at, at Villa Park. And uh, that was the first time we, we'd had a few drinks together at, at, at a game. And uh, we, we actually continued on up to Manchester on the Thursday to go and see Man City in Newcastle on the Saturday. So it was a good good few days. And we met up with some friends of ours come over from Dublin for, for the weekend. But for me, the euphoria that night was absolutely mental. But what it meant was because we were already booked to go to the FA Cup semi final, I kind of had to downsize what I was doing for the Coca Cola yeah. Cup final. So everybody else was going flying in and out that day, and it was working out quite expensive. So I flew over the day before, stayed with my uncle, 
and uh, they all flew back after the game and I stayed with my uncle and went back on the cheap flight the next day. So yeah, I had to cut my cloth to fit and yeah, yeah. in fairness, it was around my birthday and I said to my parents, oh, just give me a few quid to get me through these few days and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But so, so, so happy that I managed to fit everything in in those few uh, few weeks, um, very memorable few weeks. But mm-hmm. the, day, the day itself, um, dull, overcast, and uh, not what you expect for a cup final, you know. Oh. You always have this opinion of them being sunny and in May, but you know it was, it was in March. Um, but it, it was probably one of the last cup finals that I remember being kind of end to end to start off with. So we we, we all went for hell to hell for leather. It was a decent game up until we scored, and then they they didn't put a glove on us after that. No. But yeah, my, my abiding memory was how well we played that day. Yeah, it's, it's and look as I say, I my my abiding memory of the match is winning it. You know, obviously a lot of my memories of the actual match come from watching it back later on because at eleven there's only so much you can take in. But this is this is my I had planned this. I I don't know, but I don't think I was a devious child, but I needed <laughs> to have my comfort for this game, and uh, I think I've kind of I think I've kind of uh, I I can kind of relate to this even 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 in these years, but. Um, what I had done was, uh, so I remember I got up real early that morning and my dad would always be an early riser and the two of us, got, he got up as well. And I think we were just pottering around the house or whatever. And I can remember, and I can remember that we, that he went out cutting the lawn and I remember going out and I remember stopped him halfway through and said, hi, can you take me up to the shop so that I can, because we live very rurally, take me up to the shop so I can get some, you know, get some treats for the match. And he goes, grand job. And I remember I got a big, massive bottle of Sidona. And I got I got a Yorkie and I got a big massive bag of popcorn, and then I went right. This is so at at the time anyway. Like uh, it was a case of don't tell your mother what you got, and I went okay, that's fine. I keep them behind, but uh, so I hid them inside in the sitting room, and then what I did is on my way out of the sitting room, which is something that was never there. There was a key, uh, a key for the for the sitting room door, and I took it and I put it in my pocket, and then what happened was said nothing. Coming up to kickoff, maybe about a half an hour before kickoff, I went into the sitting room on my own with nobody in there. Closed the door, locked the door from the inside and sat inside and watched the match in <laughs> peace and quiet. And, uh, you know, I had my, I came out then probably full to the brim of love for Aston Villa, sugar rush from, from, the, from the bars of chocolate and the big bottle of Sidona because you'd be guaranteed I didn't leave a drop inside in the bottle. I think, and then I, I think came you better off. tell our overseas listeners that Sidona <laughs> isn't actually cider. It's Sidona. Yeah, it's do they not have that? Do they have that overseas? I don't so think it's so an apple fla- <laughs> apple flavored drink, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, so it was uh it was a good day for me. Uh that was a fantastic day for me. I remember um my grandmother actually came over because uh, she knew how excited I was and she came over. I think I left her, I think I let her into the sitting room, but I wouldn't let anybody else into the sitting room to watch it because I wanted to watch it in peace. Yeah, so that's my my abiding memory of um of that uh but uh, i remember Savam. i like I, I genuinely i could have told you straight the next day about Savam milosevic's goal and i probably blacked out after that you know with excitement because mm. what a goal that was you know 20 minutes into the game and um, andy townsend broderick culturally wins a ball back in the middle of midfield i think he basically just fell over and the ball hit off him <laughs> and it ended up making its way to Savam milosevic who took the ball 15 20 yards and then yeah. just pinged it in the back of the net I remember being so. For anyone that is is lucky to be young enough, never been to the old Wembley. It was 
as much of a majestic place as you can imagine, but it was an absolutely horrible place to watch a match because you were so far away from the action. It was basically this monster of a stadium that was built around the Greyhound track mm. with a football pitch in the middle. So we were behind the opposite goal that Savo scored into, but we were behind the goal that the subsequent goals were, were scored into us. So um, I just remember Savo getting the ball and I went, oh my God, he's going to shoot. <laughs> he's <been> a, <laughs> It, well, it, the noise was unbelievable. At the at the risk of running foul of uh, of copyright infringement, I do, I was going to play some video here that I had I did myself, and I said, you know what, I don't want to get kicked off any of these platforms. But I did take a still shot of one of the videos that uh, that we have. Watch how far out Milosevic is when he's when he takes the shot. Like this is ridiculous. Like look how far. You know, I don't think I okay. Maybe Al Ghazi takes shots from there. Maybe the odd time John McGinn does. Let me get rid of those things there in the middle of the screen. Uh, let me get rid of the, these yokes. You know who we are. Um, but like he just he just shifts that number one. Actually, Savan Milosevic, they should bring back the bicycle shorts. There was nothing ever wrong with bicycle shorts. You never see them anymore. Never see them I'm, anymore. I'm bananas. <laughs> Bandanas, yeah, bandanas. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as gone on. But look how far out he is. At this stage, he just shifts it with his left foot and then pummels it into the back of the net. Mm. Absolutely, it was, it was unstoppable goal. And um, as I say, I've got a couple of still shots from, from the, from the actual game itself, just to, just to kind of highlight uh, bits and pieces here. So here's, here's what it looks like from behind the goals when he, uh, when he takes the shot. It, it, it's like, it's fascinating. Like the, the, the technique here for somebody who was called. Misalatovic, you know the technique here. Like, look where he is. Perfect technique. Look at that. You know, you look at you look at videos of David Beckham taking free kicks and like perfect stance. Look at it, and then bang, left foot. Um, what you call him, John uh, Lukic? John Lukic had no clue what was happening. It moved every which direction in the air, and it actually goes oh, it goes directly over him when it goes into the back of the net. So Lukic takes about three steps to the left hand side, to his right hand side here, and it actually goes over him. When it goes into the back yeah. of the net, phenomenal strike, like phenomenal I, stuff. I think the the you know, if you look back, I had a, a VHS tape of this, which I played and played and Data played. <laughs> no, it was VHS, definitely VHS. Um, for the, <laughs> there's probably a whole group of people going, "What is he talking about with the VHS?" So it was this tape that you used to record games on. There was nothing digital to save them on and then delete them later. So you you got you got your VHS tape and you wrote you wrote on it. Do not record over. <laughs> you watched it. And you watched it. But I remember, I think the was it Brian Moore was the commentator, and he actually mentioned that he was called Mr. Lotovic after the goal went in, and it was kind it was kind of a redemption kind of thing that he was saying. Yeah. But um, you know, I I think. Without this goal, we might be remembering Milosevic a whole lot differently. Um, but it was an absolutely phenomenal strike. And I think if you look there, I think it's Ian Taylor ran across him. It is, yeah. And yeah. He, he would have been obviously true on goal, which probably was the right thing to do. But by God, did he hit it well. Like it goes to show, like, like Ian Taylor, and we get onto it in a moment because there is a question in there from somebody there uh, with regards to John McGinn. We get onto that. We talk about the. Um, we're going to talk about the League Cup f first, but we will get onto that. But while well, he hit it and he absolutely smashed that, and it was you know it was traveling when it hit the back of the net, and that put us up one nil in the twentieth minute. And uh, you know then 
we kind of coasted into halftime. You know, things were okay. I, th- I remember Gary Charles having a very, very good game, actually, in this. Uh, he was he did a lot of work up and down the right-hand side uh, in this game. But also, I remember Alan Wright having, having a good game as well. Uh, Andy Townsend, when we had a midfield three, Andy Townsend played more to the left-hand side of that midfield three, if I remember rightly. Did he wear number 11? I'm almost certain he Townsend did. Townsend was 11, yeah. I'm almost certain he was he 11. 11 at one stage. He wore a six. No, I think he was six at that stage. I think he wore eleven when he came first, and then six. I think, yeah, I think he was eleven for this game. Just, just something. I, I, I just remember him being eleven. Well, we we really didn't, done. we didn't wear any. Um, there was no names on the shorts. No, in, in, in this game, there was all throughout that season. But yeah, it was, uh, it was real old school. I think there might have been one to eleven actually. Yeah, I'm nearly but, certain, and that could be why he wore number eleven. I've no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm almost certain. The, the, so uh, I, I have 11. a feeling that Dwight York was wearing 18 at the time and he wore 10 that day. Yeah, he definitely Dwight York definitely wore 10, yeah, because I remember yeah. when he scored uh when uh, when when he scored he was definitely wearing 10. But the second goal that we got was some great great work down the wing from it was Townsend Townsend picked it up in midfield, sat out and right down the wing and Alan Wright got to the byline and did what Alan Wright does and whipped in a great cross. And a ball comes across the goals. Lukic was a small a bit suspect at this. Yeah. Lukic comes for at the back post but Whatever Lukic did, Lucas Radaby did something absolutely insane. And we'll take, I've got a still shot of it in a moment. I don't know, like, literally, it's it's not how you would defend a, a cross. But as the ball comes across, who was there at the back post? Only Milosevic. Milosevic gets ahead to it, drops down to Ian Taylor, and Ian Taylor absolutely mm. smashes the laces through it and uh, volleys it straight away into the back of the net. Um, just for yeah, proof. My, my recollection is the Radaby knocks it himself I don't, I'm not yeah, sure Savo sorry, got a touch on it did he it, yeah it was it was ready to be but, but Savo yeah. was getting in there at the back post oh, he yeah, was so. yeah 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 but, like, but again the technique here you just can't teach that kind of stuff the way it just drops right onto his instep and oh, he keeps it low yeah. head above it just a fantastic shot it, it was it was a brilliant finish uh, outside of the boot into the side netting on the far side just yeah yeah it's one of those that lives and, and to be honest the three goals of that day will live long in the memory. I think I think everybody remembers each of them. Um you know, it was an equally as as decent strike from from Dwight York at the end, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Well, but I, I have a still shot here of what, what Radaby did. And like Radaby, don't get me wrong, Radaby was an absolutely fantastic defender. But Paddy, I know you were a defender in your day. Uh would you teach kids to when the ball is coming across the box to try and boys to kill the ball out for a corner black post? No, I'm not quite sure that I would do that. that that's a, well, you see, in, in, in his defense, if you look at John Lukic's position, yeah, John Lukic looked like he came and called and then stopped when he yeah. realized he wasn't getting there. Yeah, so yeah. he he only had that split second to react. Obviously, the right thing to do is try and shield your body and either chest yeah, it out for a corner or, or, or even even just flick it on out for a throw-in or whatever. Yeah. But I think I think the the the, the main thing that happened here was that John Lukic came, called and, and didn't didn't continue on. Didn't continue on exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well it looked, but, but as I say, yeah, it was uh you know I suppose it's probably all he could do. But then he like hold your ground, try and head it. I know Savo is probably there. Savo might even be all over him back in the day that mm-hmm. would probably be given as a free out. You know, if a defender went to do something like that, the ref would probably um probably protect him, you know, and say, oh, must be pulled yeah. back and free out and then yeah. no goal. But as I say, Ian Taylor smashed the laces through it and, and a fantastic goal. Absolutely great, great goal. Um, 
that brings us on to the third goal. The third goal was Dwight York. The third goal is yeah. So uh, Dean has uh, has a comment here as well. So Hugo was six for this game. Townsend was eleven in the Premier and six for the following season. Johnson took his eleven, and York took Johnson's ten for the 97-97 season. Mm-hmm. Deadly stuff, Dean. Um, yeah, I was just looking because I pulled out. I have two of these. Believe it or not, in the in the attic, this one is Staunton on number three. But Alan Wright wore three that day. Yeah, and actually, my other short is number ten, but it has Tommy Johnson on it. So, oh, yeah, that clears all that. That clears it up. Yeah, yeah. And Carol also has put in that we beat a good lead side too, featuring your boy McAllister, Radaby Brolin, Gary Kelly. Absolutely, you know we did Gary Speed. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot there that 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 goes unnoticed. Um, when, when you look back, like Brolin only made the bench that day. That's how mm. good a side this was. Gary McAllister was one of the best players in the world at the time, From yeah. in, in my opinion. He was a majestic player. Tony Aboa was a fantastic goal scorer. Gary Kelly, Brian great player. Dean. Brian Dean. Scored um, the first ever Premier League goal. They they even tried, um, I forget the young lad's name, is it Ward? Ford. Started the game. Ford. Yeah. Mark Ford. I think they took him off at halftime. I think they thought they were going to have a, a Graham Fenton like uh, effect on the game, but it never yeah. happened for them. Um, yeah, there was, that, that was the strangest one of the of the lot. Was that one? And yeah. they also had no goalkeeper on the bench. So in the cup matches in them days, you only had three substitutes. Whereas we That's had a so, uh, yeah. I'll be honest, I'm here, I'm here, and I'm getting anxious, so they look at the three subs in the bench going, <laughs> what the Jesus are we going to do if someone gets injured? Yeah, yeah and like, and, and for all the people out there that don't like being spit, not making subs, Brian Little didn't make any subs in this game. <laughs> yeah. I'm only joking. Yeah. That's only, that's, that's it's only funny because, it, as I said, the two shorts that I had from, from that season were the two players that I loved were on the bench that day, and Tommy Johnson yeah. and Steve Staunton. Was the goalkeeper Michael Oakes? Goalkeeper was Mike Lokes. He Michael was Oakes, indeed. Yeah. He was yeah. indeed. So we we uh, the third goal. The third goal for me, Paddy, watching it back is um it's all summed up by Mark Draper. So remember when we played Liverpool this year and um what was his name? Uh, the the left back Callum Rowe slid through an unbelievable slide rule pass to uh, to Louis Barry for the goal. But Mark he must have been watching videos of Mark Draper do that in the '96 League Cup final. Um, I was still shot once again, and to be honest with you, this doesn't do it justice. This really doesn't do. Oh, I had a very, I had an even better view of what Radaby was at. Actually, I'm going to show that up just before we go into this. Uh, this is what Radaby was at um, at the back post. Uh, I just, I, I still can't get my head around it. I really can't. Like <laughs> answers on a postcard, please. You'd have I to st- wonder is, 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 is Savo actually fouling them there? May, that I, I, that's the only thing I can come up with. They yeah. took him off. They took Redby off in sixty-five minutes. They took him off in the game. Um, yeah, I think that was more chasing the game than anything else. When it, it was. They brought on Thomas Brolin. Yeah. They brought on yeah. Thomas Brolin. Yeah. So here is the magic of Mark Draper, criminally underrated player for Aston Villa. And I think maybe absolutely. You know, yeah. Mark Draper picks the ball up here and splits the defense with a pass from here. Uh, and, by the way, and, and as you can see. The, the the one thing that stands out for me there is um we're tuning up here and there's yeah. only a couple of minutes to go. Mark Draper could have taken that on a little bit more and, and ran down the clock, but no, he spots he spots Savo doing the running and, and, and takes the, the pass early. Because that's 
Um, if you watch back this one, the referee actually blends in with us. That's the referee running yeah. behind Mark Draper there. Great to see um, a referee running these days, isn't it? Running like the good old days, isn't it? Because the, ref the referee would be probably at the opposite side of the of the halfway line here, um, waiting for the ball to go past him and just moving within that. But anyway, look, we, we always get on the referees. We leave them alone. <laughs> yeah. The referee but it was, was Robbie Hart as well, by the way. <laughs> We didn't have household name referees back in them days, no, and he didn't get paid, probably didn't get paid a penny for it because he wasn't he wasn't professional. Probably. Um, well, I'm sure he got expenses and stuff, and, and mm. Jesus, it's a, it's an achievement in itself to referee a final at Wembley. So, fair play to him. So this ball gets played this way, and I think that's Gary Speed over there uh, as the left back. I'm actually almost certain that it is. I think Barry, he did. Yeah, yeah. Gary Kelly was right was was right wing back. So if, if Draper plays it. There, okay, and, and you know what? I hate these still shots, but they're better than having nothing. And see where Milosevic. This is as the ball is still rolling into Milosevic's path from the pass here. It's just a wicked pass. Look where he is, right on the opposite end. He was right on the edge uh, on, on the defender on um, John Pemberton's shoulder. Milosevic. He peels mm -hmm. off. Here we have Gary Speed again. But like the ball, the movement of the ball there was fantastic. I know it, it, it's the perfect ball to play into the channels when you are playing against the back three. I don't think this that you know strikers moved very far out of the central positions in that in those days. Um, you know, ninety six, uh, probably even getting into ninety eight, ninety nine when Henri came was when we saw strikers maybe move out to the wing positions a small bit more. But Milosevic picks up the ball here and he drives towards the box, which was which to be honest with you, when you look at it. Milosevic, how like Andy Andy Townsend had such a great game. How Milosevic didn't get man a match was, was was kind of beyond me because he was involved mm -hmm. in absolutely everything. But Milosevic drives in at an angle towards the towards the goals, and then he um, from the right hand side he he uh, drives in at an angle, and I cut a I cut a, a still shot here just as one of the cameramen was taking. Uh, it looks like there's an explosion in the background for anyone watching it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. This is where the cameraman was taking yeah. a shot or taking a a, 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 a camera with a, a picture. Um, but Milosevic lays it square to, to Dwight York and Dwight York absolutely pummels it in off the crossbar. Um, and and know, to be fair to Dwight York, that if, if I'd have saw Milosevic going into that position, I'd have left him off and wouldn't have, wouldn't have followed it up. Because Milosevic was the kind of guy who who didn't think about passing the ball when he got into a goal scoring no. position, no, and you know he he was confronted there, and he, he he probably could have got a shot away with it with a one movement of the ball maybe, but he he chose to to roll it back, um a, a short enough distance into the path of Dwight York who absolutely slammed it off the underside of the crossbar, down over the line and back up into the roof of the net. Yeah, very good stuff. Fairy tale stuff. None of the goals were poor goals. They were all exciting mm. goals. They were the three types of goals that would get you to fall in love with a football team. You know, it really was. It was one of those days whereby, you know, Villa took the game by the scruff of the neck. They never looked like losing. You could go in, you could have a boast to, you know, for once in your life, you could go in and have a boast in school and people would be talking about you. And there was the redemption story from Misalatovic because. I remember everybody would just would just say that to me, you know, or when we'd be playing soccer, oh, go here, Miss Lodovic. And I was like, no, be, I'm Dwight York, not, not Milosevic. And you'd almost be like, you know, you know, you want to stand up for him, but it's it's a case that, uh, how will I put it, that 
you know, when it becomes commonplace in 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 real life, that everybody starts calling them this nickname, and um, you know, it's very hard to kind of stop the rot there. So uh, I remember that when he scored that goal, I went in and puffed up my chest in school. But um, also at the score against, like like Leeds were were, were a well supported team in in Ireland at the time. Um, just like ourselves, you know, because of pe- people like Gary Kelly was the golden boy uh, of Irish football. He was mm-hmm. the young up and coming uh, right back at that time. And, you know, uh, bits and pieces that were going on within the club there as well. So it was uh, it was good. It was good to get that win. And um, if you were to have asked me in 1996 as an 11-year-old boy, would I, uh, would I be seeing a lot more cup triumphs? I would have said, well, next year we might just take the league. You never know. And, uh, <laughs> and it, never, it never transpired. And that's, that's why I'm always a big fan of no matter what happens, celebrate it because you never know. Things might go up and things might go down. Yeah. Well, as I said to friends of mine last year when they were him and Han over going to the Carabao Cup final and the cost, and I was going, you know, it's 25 years since we won this trophy. God knows when you're going to get an opportunity like this again, if you can manage it. Like it's it's completely different for 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 guys in the UK that just got a train fare and the day out. We've got to put flight, accommodation, match ticket, mm. food, drink, everything into it. So it's a it's an expensive uh, an expensive trip, but trip of a lifetime to to have the, to have this memory and be able to talk about it. I still can't believe. I often see stuff being sh- shared on on social media about 1981 and, and 1982. I go, oh, I wish I was there. And now we're talking about something that's 25 mm. years ago, and I'm going, oh shit, I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, feeling yeah. old today. Yeah, um, yeah. Dean's left in a comment there. Draper was his favorite central midfielder. He was majestic that season and the following. Was called up for England. Yes, he was, uh, but not picked. Um, Mark Draper and and Brian Little were just simpatico, I think, you know, even from their yeah. time at Leicester as well. He was he just ran the show for for in a Brian Little team. And uh, you know, when Brian Little left the club, Mark Draper's career kind of went went by the wayside as well. But he's somebody I'd love to talk to because he's um he just always comes across as a genuine down to earth kind of guy. And uh, if anybody has any contacts for him and wants to get him in contact with us, <laughs> I'd love to chat to him because, uh, you know, you see bits and pieces of him. I think he's still involved in football as well, which is, uh, which is really, really cool to see. Uh, Dean also put up as well that the whole goal was class. Savos hold up playing the best striker I've ever seen finishing it. Always awesome. When they're off the bar, it absolutely is, you know, yeah. Toda, there's something about, and, and even the crossbars, Look once again. I feel I feel like I'm I'm old and dusty. But even you know the crossbars back then, there was a different sound off them because the goals were probably the goals were wooden. Uh, even back then, when it hit off the crossbar, it was like a thud as opposed to a clonk. You know yeah. that you kind of hear now. You hear a clonk from the hollow uh, the hollow post. Uh, there's just something in that as there's well. Something special about we we were behind the goal when you see the ball hit the bar and you go oh and you're waiting on it to bounce back up to see if it's <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. And you just see the net bulging up higher than the crossbar. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan, put, Alan has said that he remembers the game. He had so much nervous energy in his younger body and couldn't sit down. I, I was the same. I had nervous energy. I had sugar overload. Um, as I say, I was only 11 <laughs> when it happened. But uh, one of the finer days, um, I, I, I remember parts of it vividly. You know, I remember my devious plan to, to, to commandeer the sitting room. Um, I remember waking up in the morning. I used to, I used to have like it was one wall in my bedroom. Uh, I had all Aston Villa posters over it, and there was one poster that I absolutely love, loved. And do you know what? I think I might have it at home somewhere. And it was a big feature poster. It was a big, massive one, probably about an A two size poster. 
and it was a Veen Taylor and it, it, like different photo, different kind of action shots of Veen Taylor. And I always had to have that in, in the center of uh, of my poster. So every two or three weeks, I'd take down the posters and I'd rearrange them in different orders. <laughs> and uh, But Ian Taylor as well always had to be front and center in the middle. I don't know why. I just I just loved it. I always thought Ian Taylor was fantastic as well. Um, but yeah, I just it's, I just got a flashback to that there and I'm yeah. waking up and I'm looking over. So remember, I had bunk beds in my room, but there was only me in my room. I had bunk beds in case anyone ever came to stay. And I remember waking up and rolling over and you know, turning around and looking at this wall full of Aston Villa posters, you know. So some things never change. Some things never change. Uh, <laughs> a couple of more comments in there. Uh, if you Google Mark Draper, uh, Draper Norton Football Academy, his contacts are on. Ah. Dean will have to get you in as a as our as our regular private <laughs> our investigator. Yeah, absolutely, regular and private investigator. Carol pops up. We went to sign the mighty Sasson Churches after that for club record four million and Fernando Nelson, if memory serves me well. <laughs> yes, we did. I actually thought Fernando Nelson might have been in the squad for this game, but he wasn't. Um, Sasson Churches was a bit of a flop, but he was amazing at Bolton, and, and I just really don't know what happened there. Um, that's definitely one that we'd want back. Likes of himself, Balaban countless more then back in the day they were the two but since then you could we could do a whole other live stream just <laughs> naming names that didn't work out yeah um but yeah that was uh that that was good days good times i suppose looking for looking on there as well there was one question and rich i'm so sorry i hope you're still watching rich but um rich you did have a question here uh you want to put it provocatively that the, what's the matter with John McGinn? Is it form, fitness, coaching tactics? Personally, I like to see him get in the opposition box uh, every chance he gets, or is he just going to hit, be hit and miss at this level? So, Rich, um, <laughs> yes. So, is it uh, is it form? Yes. Is it fitness? No. Is it coaching and tactics? Yes. Unde undecided. I think undecided. so. I, I, I think, yes. I, well, I think our perception of John McGinn is definitely the coaching and tactics. Um, I but agree with you. I'd like it, to see. Let me put it to you this way. If he wasn't doing what he was told, he'd be taken off. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it has but, to be coaching and tactics. He's, he's, and, play, he's playing where he's told to play. Exactly. So if you go on to www.forthelovepalmagra.com and you go into the blog section, you'll see I did an analysis of... Um, of uh, John McGinn. I'm actually going to bring it up with some shameless, shameless plugging here. Uh, talk amongst yourselves and I'll bring it up. I just, because it might even be easier if, if we were to just show. So the differences in where, where John McGinn has been asked to play over the, over the course of the three seasons he's been with Aston Villa. Um, and I titled this one, uh, John McGinn versus John McGinn, because uh, he's, like like the the, the he's, he's been asked to do three different roles in three different years um so just give me two moments there uh why can't i share this okay so i don't know if you guys can see that um yeah so there it is so i'm just going to scroll down here and just see so i wanted to just bring up one of the graphics that i have so here is the heat maps for john mcginn over the last three years with the club. So um, I can't see our, oh, you can see that there. Okay. Hopefully it's clear enough. So basically in the championship in 18, 19, you can see his action areas here where he's more around the field and he's more concentrated within the middle of the field and, and using a higher press, focusing on the on that edge of the attacking third. He had less defensive duties and he his defensive duties were um, 
they were less focused on being directly in, in, in front of defence. Um, and also, you, as you can see there, he's heavily kind of predicated to the right-hand side. Move on to our first year, first year in the Premier League. He is almost solely being asked to play on the right-hand side of, of, uh, of that midfield. He was heavily deployed over there. He pressed a lot higher up the field as well. Um, he was tasked with starting the high and standard blocks when defending. And basically, you could, if you look there, he was, he was told, go to, the, go to the center of the field and don't go any further. So you can see that the highlighted red areas there are, are the concentration of where he played. And now when we look at his Premier League heat map, as of, I think this is the start of March, you can see he's kind of being asked to defend in four different quadrants uh, around the field. So it's like as if he's chasing the ball almost in a clockwise formation, still kind of looking to 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 keep his high to keep a higher press. But what's happening here is he's not getting on the end of the ball anymore. He's he's being tasked with being a pivot. So himself and Douglas Louise are being tasked with more of being a pivot. And he's playing almost more as a kind of a. I, I'm I'm reluctant to call him an eight. Uh, he's almost like a roving six if there even is such a thing because all he's he's been tasked with more or less just follow the ball follow the ball and and make sure that you're that energy you're you're not that the energy in midfield to get around essentially what i feel he's doing here is he's doing the work of the of the attacking central midfielder i.e ras barkley or whoever is in there in that team he's doing that doing extra work to compensate from them while douglas louise stays uh stays to to, to a more defensive uh duties in in, in uh, in in defence as well, um, just some some comparisons here as well, just to highlight a couple of them. There, he's created less shot shot action, shot creation actions over the course of uh, from last year to this year. Um, his passing is up. His passing is up massively this year than it was last year as well. Uh, on the defensive side of things, he's had far less tackles in the defensive third of the field, far, far less tackles in the defensive third of the field. So he's been asked with kind of chasing the ball as opposed to as opposed to trying to get those tackles in and to win the ball, win the ball back an awful lot more. So it's uh it's 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 one of those things I think this uh this John McGinn, and I'm just gonna stop this sharing here because I'm uh as I say, I, I, you guys can go and you can check it out in greater detail. And for the love of Paul McGrath, for the John McGinn piece, it's it's a very nuanced it, it, it's a very nuanced thing that whereby it is. Now, I don't think it's fitness because he is fit as a fiddle. I think it is to do with tactics, and I think it is to do with with the form of the midfield tree, trio in general. Because at the start of the year, this worked perfectly, whereas now it's not working as perfectly because we don't have like the pivot system that we had in the middle of midfield doesn't seem to be working as well. And also, you know, the idea of just getting the ball out to Jack Grealish, obviously we don't have that there at the moment. So um, this Aston Villa team is, dif is difficult to discuss from a tactical point of view. I'm six days trying to write a Ross Barkley um, tactical analysis. <laughs> I'm six days trying to do it. And you know what? It, uh, like, spoiler alert, at the moment, I'm at the stage whereby it's just going to... I won't tell you. You guys can read it when it comes out. But it's like he's an enigma, an absolute enigma is, is all I'll say. But John McGinn has been asked to play three different roles in three different years. And I think that's super commendable that he's been asked to do that. And he's basically, I think this year, he's sacrificing an awful lot of his statistics. And what we can see in the field, he's sacrificing an awful lot of that for the greater good of just work that needs to be done in the middle of midfield. Um. So, uh, yeah. Um, was Gary Charles in the squad at that time? Darrow Grady, yes, he was indeed. He was right back. 
I think this was his finest moment. I think I think it was shortly after this that there was a uh, that, that that maybe he spiraled unfortunately, but he seems to be back on the on the straight and narrow again. Um, uh, lovely, lovely guy, Gary Charles, come over to yeah. the or end the season due for the Irish Lions back in it must have been that year, I'd imagine, or the year after. Yeah, um, really good guy himself and Lee Hendry came over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so that kind of that's like I thought we'd get about eight minutes out of this patty when we decided to go. be good life. And look, you know, I tell you what, the, the way I'm feeling at the moment, this bloody thing is roasting. Is it? Yeah, I <laughs> it was made I'm, out of like kind of which it was eight minutes. Um, I, I just I, I I brought I put it on obviously, and I came down, and my son Stephen was there, and he was going, "What's going on here?" So I asked him to, to feel the material, and he's like. Oh, it was very warm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fancy yeah. playing a match in that one. It was like, it was like the material of an old tablecloth or something like that. You know, it was it was kind of heavy. It was a heavy. They would have needed it, it for like, that day because it was overcast and cold. It was, yeah. But he, I don't know whether the camera is good enough there to pick up for anyone that hasn't seen one up close. There, it was a good, lovely detail in it. it was a, it was a lovely short. As I said it's very warm. This long sleeve doesn't help, I suppose, on this one. But um, yeah, they they had a. Uh, a navy one that season, which was identical, and then a white one with a just a slightly different color. But um, they don't make them like they used to anyway. They make they make them now to be as cool as you can on the pitch and not, not to warm you up in the winter. Mm, exactly, exactly. Um, I think that's going to do it, guys. This is our first ever live stream. Um, you know, I don't know. We might come back and do more, uh, more kind of nuanced ones, shorter ones. We'll see what way it goes, just to create more content. Sometimes it's just difficult to continually just do previews and reviews of shows. Um, so this might be something that we uh, we utilize a bit more. Thanks everybody for watching. I think we had, we were up on twenty people watching there at Wednesday, which may seem small, but for half eleven on a Wednesday, uh, ain't too bad to be honest with you. With no, two fellas talking shite about about Sidona yeah. and about uh, <laughs> uh, and, and about locking themselves into in, in, into a sitting room, which I'm sure one of my parents would come back and say, "You didn't. You probably only locked the door for like five minutes." For me, it feels like i locked it for the whole game okay you know <laughs> so uh, uh <laughs> it's um it's it's one of those things you know that, that will stick with me it's my story and i'm sticking to it anyway um thanks so much everybody if you aren't following us if you aren't subscribing already on youtube uh this is probably where we'll do an awful lot of our live stuff we'll be on youtube this will also be up as a podcast as well so um for, for those that didn't uh, join in but um as i said thanks everybody for listening thanks everybody for watching thanks everybody for your um for your questions as well you can get me on at love mcgrath pod you can get paddy on at villa paddy uh we'll be back again soon and all I'm left to say, you're off for a bottle of sidona <laughs> i think i might go for one as well if i can find it um and all that's left to say guys is up the villa up the villa Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.